The views expressed in this program are those of the host and not necessarily those of WVUD or the University of Delaware. WVUD and UD Information Technologies present Campus Voices, conversations with University of Delaware faculty, staff, and students about their teaching, research, service projects, and other interests. To introduce today's guest, here's your host, Richard Gordon, manager of the IT Communication Group at the University of Delaware. Thank you, Jason. And joining me in the studio this fine August morning is Meredith Chapman from the university's Office of Communication and Marketing. She's a UD alum and our resident social media whiz. Thanks, Richard. I appreciate that. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. We're going to talk today about social media a little bit, the whole perspective, and also what's going on at the university. Now, people who might be unfamiliar with this, I don't know how they would be, but when they talk about social media, what programs are we talking about? Things like Jeez Louise, how long is this show again? All right, let's see. We'll start out with the basic one, Facebook. Most people know about Facebook, great social networking site that's known for its news feed where you can see countless updates when you spend hours and hours on it every day. Then another large one, Twitter, microblogging, 140 characters. Wait a minute, people use this 140 characters. I know I do. Yeah, it's it's incredible. There's so many ways that you can use Twitter. Twitter's really a way to be able to give live updates. So oftentimes you might see something happening in real time. For example, the president gives a speech. You'll see people tweeting in real time about this, offering their commentary, reporters following up for news pieces. And it's just a great way to be able to stay connected in just a moment's time rather than having something that's a long, thought-out blog post. What else? We, I mean, that, that those aren't the others. They're things like Instagram mm-hmm. and Pinterest and... Absolutely. So Instagram is something that's kind of changed a little bit recently. Most people knew it as, ooh, that's a really cool filter that you just put on that photo. How did you do it? And that had been what Instagram was for the last couple of years. And now Instagram also allows you to do video, 15-second videos. So a little bit for those who like to do cinematography, perhaps, find more creative ways to tell stories. Instagram is now the multimedia platform for that. Another multimedia platform someone could use um, with the video piece is Vine. Now, the challenge with Vine, six seconds for a video. Six seconds? Six seconds. And is that the one where it disappears? So it's on repeat. It it's ends up repeat. going that it comes up. And what you've seen is a lot of creative ways of doing stop motion videos and fun videos that repeat over and over and over again. And you don't quite realize it's only six seconds and you've watched it for 30 seconds because there's so many little elements that people put into it. If you want a really great example, we have a few on the University of Delaware's Vine account. Um, we've had some really creative interns at the university this summer while lots of students were home working, doing other things. They came in and we ha- worked with the Office of Admissions and we came up with some incredibly creative Vine videos. Um, so check them out sometime. There are a lot of stop motion ones. But again, you really, it's six seconds. Lots of skill to go into that. The one I was thinking about was Snapchat. Oh. That, 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 I mean, my son and daughter-in-law and her sisters mm-hmm. tried to get me into Snapchat this summer. And it's like, I just, I just finally resigned. It's like, it's like you take a little video, send it to someone, and it disappears. Supposedly it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but that's it is so popular. Um, and I, you know, my neighborhood, I hear kids that are in high school all the time that say they use Snapchat, even some college students now that the students are back here on campus for the fall semester, that that's what they're doing, that there are these fleeting moments that they're trying to capture just once. And they don't want a permanent history of it. They don't want to go posting it to Facebook or Twitter, but they'd like to share it with their friends in an intimate way that the picture, the video is not going to get pulled up again at Thanksgiving dinner or at some place where it could be embarrassing. And for the most part, it's pretty effective that these disappear from your phone. You see it for a second, three seconds, five seconds, whatever you set the programming, and done. You said for a fleeting moment. And I think this is something. Let's just talk about that in terms of all these social media things. Mm-hmm. Some of these things people do very quickly in a minute, mm-hmm. and it stays forever. And some, they do it very quickly, and it goes away. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, do people really understand the difference between those different kinds of computer applications or Well, I think it depends. I think that actually this next generation that we're looking at that's getting ready to be college students as they're going to high school, I think they're starting to understand some of the bit that there is a permanency with social media. Do they really comprehend that the Library of Congress archives all of their tweets so that somebody could go through them someday? I highly doubt that. But I think there is kind of getting to be this differentiator of, you know, you look at text messaging that came on the scene, you know, decades ago. And at this point, it's kind of evolved that people do that. It's surpassed, you know, so many things with the main means of communication. But at the same time, I think that there is this permanency that people see with Facebook. So take, for example, the idea of the Facebook timeline when that came out about a year and a half ago. And the idea was that all of a sudden you can log and you can see every little thing that you've done on Facebook. So something that you may have seen as a fleeting moment but chose to share on Facebook, it's now documented. It's now saved in space until you go back and say, ooh, I don't want that to appear on my timeline from seven years ago when I signed up for Facebook. I think Facebook pretty much tells you when you sign up, if you read the fine print, that they own everything you put out there. Right. It's not yours. So if Facebook chooses to shut down at some point, guess what? They're not going to give you time to get your content back off of there. It's gone. Those photos that you say, don't need to save them on my computer hard drive, don't need to save them on some other place, and they're just on Facebook, they could be gone someday if Facebook chooses to do so. Let's hope not. But that could be the case, certainly. All those terms of service that you accept. We are talking with Meredith Chapman from UD's Office of Communication and Marketing. And I apologize, listeners, we've just sort of jumped into the middle of things and we're talking about all these different computer apps people are using for social media, that whole idea of connecting with each other in all sorts of different ways using the computer. And I think let's try and focus back down to something that people can get their heads around. You know, like, Meredith, how do people use social media to become a person of influence? Jeez. So it's it's interesting. So we recently saw the um, the VMAs. Let me give you a prime example. There were some performances during the VMAs, perhaps Miley Cyrus's. And what happened during that? People, some were appalled, some were shocked and awed. You could see from the camera angles. But what you didn't see on the television if you were watching, but you could have seen if you got on your computer that night, was so many tweets on Twitter about Miley. Let me give you one example here. During Miley's performance... At the VMAs, there were 4.5 million mentions of her on Twitter. Four and a half million? Four and a half million. During that one performance. Just about Miley Cyrus, just mentioning Miley Cyrus. That's not taking into account all the other tweets that may have been out there about the VMAs or other artists that were included with that. And I saw an interesting story that broke it down, and it worked out to be about 300,000 tweets per minute about Miley. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is while she's up there twerking or whatever she's called. Yeah, that whatever dance you want to call that. And now her new leaked video with Justin Bieber of what's going to happen with their, I guess, their song. Uh, who knows about that? You got to read the paper, I guess, to catch up on that. But it's it's incredible, though, because she was able to do something that years ago would have been seen as just a coy publicity stunt, perhaps. But now she became an influencer, perhaps for the negative in some parents' eyes, as there's been lots of controversy. But nevertheless, she became a social influencer that she was able to spawn a conversation with people that they were talking about her while she was on stage in real time. People were connecting, sharing their opinions about it. If nothing else, her name's been in the news. She was at the top of CNN.com for their news feed the following day. we're talking day. about her today. <laughs> that we are. How about that? Days later, days later, we are still talking about this. But from the social media side, that's what people wanted to, to do. They wanted to connect. They wanted to share. And that's what social media has become. People want to share their own opinions. They want to share their life experiences. And they want to be part of a greater global conversation. And that's what was able to happen so clearly demonstrated by the VMAs this week. An incident happened repeatedly. Unfortunately, I think. And then, lo and behold, there was a conversation on Twitter that people continued to have about it. Now, there's another part of that, too, is that people will tweet things or post something on Facebook, and it'll get picked up by other people. And before you know it, it's in a, the Boston Globe. Absolutely. I mean, and that's kind of one of the... the I'd say bittersweet things about social media, that by posting information out there, we're oftentimes just kind of surrendering and saying, here you go, world, you can take this and do whatever you would like with it. Here's my content. Um, Because, you know, a lot of people don't know what their settings are, and they share things with the public sometimes. And that can be incredibly great. Um, There's, you know, great ways that I work with local media a lot at the university. They get story leads just by what some students will post on their Twitter accounts, their Facebook accounts to say, what's happening at the university? today? What are students doing? And it can be just this incredible means to get live updates and stories. But you have to be careful at the same time, because there are things that people will put out oftentimes, and you just are questioning, geez, do they really realize what they were doing when they wrote that post? And just because of the public nature of social media, it can go like rapid fire, and it could end up on the front page of the newspaper easily. I think this is one of the many things that's changing the whole media landscape, isn't it? I mean, it's I'm so much older than you that I, I still think of the newspaper as this thing that would show up on the doorstep, you know, made of paper, wrapped mm-hmm. up in a paper bag and stuff. And yeah. media sites have gone whole media companies have gone so far beyond that, and I think social media has helped drive that. Absolutely. Well, it's it's funny you say that because I remember years ago when I started um, out in some of my career and I was on Capitol Hill, and I read the digital versions of the newspapers. I didn't have a physical one delivered to me, and I remember people in my office saying, what are you doing? You have to read the paper. I did. I read the paper this morning. I read it on the train on my, my smartphone when I was heading down to D.C., and it's just incredible how there's different ways to be connected But given that, it's at the same time, when I log on to a news affiliate's website, I expect real-time information. If I see that it hasn't been updated in 30 minutes, an hour, I wonder what's going on. So what do I do next? I then go and I say, let me find the reporters who I follow on social media. Let me see what they're doing today. Let me see what the news is. So it's this incredible, you know, expansion of the news spectrum that you can now find different people to follow. So, for example, locally here we have the Wilmington News Journal, a Gannett company. Well, there are some stellar reporters that update their Twitter accounts or their Facebook pages while they're at events. So I would have a pretty good idea if I'm following them what could be in the paper for tomorrow. I don't know all their sources, but I have an idea of what's going to matter most and what I should expect to read. And as you said earlier, it works the other way, too. I mean, it's like how many times have we had some kind of disaster 
then all of a sudden CNN is playing somebody's Instagram video or something, mm-hmm. somebody a video somebody's posted in Facebook or something. Right. I mean, that's just it. It's so easy to get content now. And, you know, again, those terms of service you accept oftentimes if you're sharing something with a company on their website, they can sometimes use that information for their benefit, which could be an incredible means. If you think that you were one of the first people to capture, let's say, a natural disaster of some sort and you're able to post it on your Facebook, there are times where newsrooms are trolling for they want that information. They want to find it. And, yes, your six-second Vine video very well could be on the front page of a major news outlet or up here on, you know, I'd say the evening news, but it's it's now the 24-7 news cycle that we're in. So. <laughs> Who knows when and where it could show up? You know, Meredith, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got started with social media? You started off, as you said, on Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you wanted Congressman Castle to have a Twitter feed. Absolutely. So I, I had a unique background that I'd spent a couple years in television, so I got to see what it was like to gather news and to, to pester people for stories all the time. That's not what I think of my reporter colleagues out there. They're incredible people. But when I got to Capitol Hill, I was in a new role in the PR side, the dark side, some people like to call it. And I had to come up with ways to keep uh, then Congressman Castle in the news. What do you do? Delaware is a small state. And so I went to this briefing on Capitol Hill, so did some of my colleagues, and we ended up finding out about a few things we could do with this whole new digital push. So this idea of branding was one of them. And okay, you got to get a brand. We know that very well here at the university. Let's dare to be first. And then there was this other piece about needing to to think about new media. So that's what it was called at the time, new media. And the push with that was videos. And then this crazy little thing called Twitter. And I will never forget, Peoples came into this briefing and they were talking to Dark Hawks about it. And they said, we know there's only a few thousand people on this right now, but it's going to be big. Just trust us. And that was kind of where I got this idea of social media matters. So I kind of started to delve into that a little bit more and try to figure out what is it? What does it matter? And trust me, trying to explain them what Twitter was to somebody who was about 70 years old who had been on <laughs> Capitol Hill for several decades. Uh, you know, Tom, you're going to tweet congressman. That's a that's a unique experience <laughs> because I myself wasn't doing it at the time. I didn't understand what it was. But it's this change of mind that's kind of been going through. If you realize what's relevant all of a sudden and being able to adapt um, with what's happening. And part of that, too, I can share the the franking commission that you have to put everything through in Capitol Hill, they didn't, they didn't, hadn't encountered social media before as a way for congressmen and senators to be able to get their word out. So that was a big transition time um, about seven, seven, eight years ago when that started to come out on Capitol Hill of how do we deal with this? So it's just really, that's kind of, that's where I got this love of social media out of just from being able to be in one briefing on Capitol Hill that you realize this is the direction that communication is going in and we've got to be part of the conversation or we're going to be left behind. We're talking today on Campus Voices with at Media Meredith. Oh. That's her Twitter handle. You can follow her um, at twitter.com slash at sign Media Meredith. And uh, I told Meredith that um, one of the first times I saw that Twitter was getting to be a major news source was back when Senator Arlen Specter switched parties. I learned about it because Senator Claire McCaskill who I was following because she's from my home state of Missouri, because she tweeted as she was walking out of the caucus that he was now a Democrat. Yeah. 
And it's incredible. And that's, I mean, that's what social media is becoming. It's now a race to see who can get the news first, who has that information and how can you get it. So we kind of talked a little bit before, but it's these influencers. Who are you following on social media? And sometimes it's, you know, about who amasses the most followers on something. But oftentimes it's who provides the best information, who's a source for you. And, And it kind of makes me think back to my journalism days of you are thinking in a very journalistic manner of how do you get information? How, who do you want to hear that from? And that's what social media allows us to do. It allows us to pick multiple sources to get our daily digest of news, um, updates about our friends, and then, you know, oftentimes the world of what's happening. And the other side of it, too, is that people are using it to create buzz, that whole mm-hmm. idea of creating buzz around something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, so great example um, that we were talking about, Hannah Anderson. Horrible situation um, that she went through with being kidnapped. However, all of a sudden, one of these social media sites, she went on and she shared her story on there. It was like two days after she was rescued. Correct. It was immediate. As soon as she was rescued, she went to social media and was sharing her story. Um, Some of the details of, you know, do you wish he was shot or not? Um, And she was very candid about her story and what happened. And that's such an interesting twist because normally you would have had to wait until some primetime television outlet went through and did the one-on-one. What was the story? How did it happen? Not the case anymore. Social media is giving us a platform that that she was able to share. She was able to say what was happening. Um, Some in a little bit too gruesome details, I think, for some folks, but that was real. And that's kind of how things have transcended at this point. Um, The complete flip side, the um, uh, Northwest We've all, you know, waiting to see the first picture of Kim and Kanye's baby. Well, you know, Kim's mom went ahead and and tweeted a picture of it. And they were able to keep it quiet for so many weeks, and yet they teased it and how it was going to happen. So social media is this way of, it's the new release platform. You said Northwest, and I (laughs) blanked for a moment. Then I remembered, oh, yeah, they named the baby North. Right. How about that? Northwest. So, But again, social media for that, you know, horrible situation of a kidnapping and sharing the experience all the way to, um, you know, having baby's first pictures debut on a social media site. The whole kind of thing of getting buzz around your brand or your company is mm-hmm. is this is really an important part of a marketing strategy for businesses, isn't it? Absolutely. It, it really is. Um, and I'm glad you bring that up because this, this fall we're teaching a class at the University of Delaware for the first time about social media marketing strategy. Um, and the whole idea with this is that there's so many people who are doing social media today. I mean, we both are sitting here. We both have Twitter accounts. We both use Facebook personally, professionally. Um, but the question is why? Why? What are we trying to gain from it? What is what are we trying to have our institution gain from this? And so I'm really excited that I get to partner with some great people for this fall to uh, to offer the University of Delaware's um, social media marketing strategy certificate. Um, so we're going to have someone from AAA that's going to come in, and Lori's going to be able to talk about how you manage customer service in this day and age, where there are constant updates coming in on Twitter. People want to complain about your company; they need help with something. For AAA's case, you know, there's a flat tire somewhere. Um, so how do you manage those expectations? Of your audience because people go to social media for that now. Um, we're also going to have um, some other people in here. Holly Norton, who is a regional, she's a social media guru. She can tell you about how to do crisis management because um, she's seen it all. She was um, a newspaper reporter for years, and she can see the great examples of when somebody completely botched it with how to manage a crisis because they didn't think to use social media or someone who had, let's say, a poor product line for fashion and they were able to turn it around quickly through the use of social media. So we're really going to kind of take an in-depth look of how do you build this strategy? How do you decide what the return on investment is? And and this is one which we've talked about a lot here at the university. How do you explain to your boss the importance of social media? 
How do you put those into metrics and terms, quantitative and qualitative, that are going to really resonate? Um, because you know, there's there's let's say you know a hundred of us here on campus that do social media in some capacity for our job. But how do we explain that then to the other thousands that say, does this really matter? Is it where we should invest our time? So I'm, I'm excited that this strategy class is going to focus a lot on that. Um, we're actually going to try to partner with some not-for-profits in the community to offer them some some free advice and counseling to actually get our students in the class to, to put it to work. And you're hoping this becomes a regular offering oh. out there in the universities professional and continuing studies branch. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's what we're really hoping for. We had so much enthusiasm from um, the instructors as well as the community that this would be an incredible class to take. So this is, it's not geared towards students in this case. It's geared toward the professional, the person who's already doing social media or maybe thinks they need to be doing social media, doesn't know what it is, and really is trying to say, how do I get ahead of the game? Um, not just, here, let me set up a Facebook account and put some posts up. Yeah, I mean, that that's, I think, what often happens as a boss mm-hmm. Here's about Twitter on the morning news or here's about Pinterest, um, you know, on NPR Mm -hmm. and comes into the office and says, what's our Pinterest account doing? Absolutely. And and they don't have any idea. But it's really Mm -hmm. important to help develop, help people figure out it's not just playing with the new toy, but figuring out how this new media will help. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, and, and I'm glad you talked about the new facets. There's, we talked at the beginning. There's so many social media platforms out there. And the thing is, not every platform is right for everybody and every outlet, um, which is just sometimes hard for people to wrap their heads around. So what do you need to do? You need to evaluate each platform. You need to look at what's your audience? What are your goals? How do you even do that is a question that oftentimes I'll get from people, both at the university and outside of it, if they don't know where to begin. So it's, it's this is what that focus of the class is going to really be about, to help people wrap their heads around what social media is and how you can leverage it um, for all the things we were talking about. I mean, do you really think, you know, not to go back to the VMAs, do you think that was a stun or do you think that was, you know, kind of, it was a little bit planned out, I'm sure, in terms, at least from a publicity standpoint, that, hey, this is going to generate buzz. Let's go forward with this. So we'll kind of go through what are the cheap shots that you don't want to take and you want to rise above. And then how do you think through a really well-executed social media campaign for your organization? Let's switch to talking about social media at the university. I mean, mm-hmm. my the work account that me and my team monitor or, or put information out on is at IT at UD. And it's a very different kind of thing mm-hmm. than, say, the Twitter feeds that admissions or mm-hmm. um, a college that's doing recruiting of students is doing. Right. And that's and that's just it. There's really different purposes. The um, IT at UD account is it's incredible because it's customer service oriented. I mean, during move in weekend, you could take questions from Twitter. So someone could be on their smartphone, send a tweet to to, um, IT, you know, the UD IT feed. And what do you have next? You have the ability to help them out. Why? Because they couldn't get their computer online yet. They didn't have that need of um, media of connectivity. So really, it's it's just this incredible way that you can connect to people and help them provide that customer service in real time. Um, you know, we we've dealt with things you know at the university before, perhaps where there's power outages different places. Well, someone's not going to get on their computer, but they sure have their smartphone when that's going on. So that's what the you know I think your feed really helps us, us do at the university boost customer service for all those who are connected to the thousands of data points that we have here. And there are lots of departments that have feeds like mine. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say no. that the IT feed is the best or anything <laughs> like that, but but it's there we're. Providing information to the customers mm-hmm. and using it as a collecting point, if you will, for, for anything coming back in, mm-hmm. which is a different kind of use than, say, admissions makes of it. Absolutely. Well, so then, you know, completely flip side, admissions, what's their job? 
we need to get students here. We want to make sure that we have some of the best and the brightest are a talent magnet for you know the university. And that's what the focus is for you that. You snuck one of the branding phrases in. I did. Sorry. I do PR for the university. I can't <laughs> quite help it. <laughs> Yeah, but it, but it's but that's it. When you think of social media, a lot of it it does come down to branding, and that's what you'll see an account like admissions doing. What do they want to do? They want to engage with students who are thinking about coming to the university. They want current students to have those conversations with prospective students. They want to share information about the really awesome research that we have going on here that's cutting edge. We want to talk about our sports teams. We want to share what it's like to be a blue hen. And it's all about creating buzz about the University of Delaware, getting positive affect out there in the community. Completely. Well, and I'm glad you said that because we actually have this really new program. I say new. It's about two and a half years old at the university called our Social Media Ambassadors. Um, so what comes to mind is that we had this incredible intern, Richard, you said you said her, you sent her over to me. I sent Laura over to you, Yes, you did send Laura over to me. And we had this student that was just incredible. She was a senior, and she helped us get a lot of our social media off the ground at the university about three and a half years ago. But the piece that was really interesting was that she said there are unique stories that are happening every day with students. And so we said, how do we capitalize on this? We want those stories. We want to share them. And what kind of came about from that was the Social Media Ambassadors Program. And the idea of it is we do interviews and we bring in you know about 50 students every year. We try to keep some from one year to the next that are able then to share their experience at UD via social media. Um, and the programs evolve so much, but it's this way that there's there's so many perspectives that you're going to see at the university. Just within admissions, somebody who's going on a tour isn't going to have the same perspective as someone else who goes on the tour because they're looking for different things. Somebody might be really concerned about the, the safety of the campus and the residence halls and, and the physicality of it. Somebody else might be more inclined to say, I just want to know about the academics. I want to know exactly what the majors are. Do you have specifically what I'm looking for? And the social media ambassadors have been able to provide us with that, with 50 unique perspectives of students on social media about their time here at the university. And you're starting something new white tonight that's <laughs> we, going to carry on through uh, many more sports seasons, we think. We, we actually are. So uh, this kind of came about, just again, as so many ideas do, from a conversation with um, athletics. And we were talking with Eric Ziedi, our athletics director, um, about attendance at football games and the excitement that's behind it. And um, we were sharing about the Social Media Ambassadors program. And what happened was this thing last year that we were working with the theater department, so our resident ensemble players. They were asking how we could drive attendance to some of their their plays. And we said, hmm, we don't quite know what to do. There's not a theater critic anywhere nearby. However, there is the opportunity that we could have some of our students come in and do something about tweeting their time there, being the critics. So we said, this sounds like we should have tweet seats. Love that. Tweet seats. Isn't that? Tweet seats. Tweet seats. So what you're allowed to do is you can bring and you have to be you know, on a short, very short list. Um, and we always say that you have to actually be using social media in this case. Um, and you can come in and you can sit in a tweet seat for a select performance. And we worked with the resident ensemble players for this. Um, and these, our social media ambassadors were able to share their experience. And it helped drum up this virtual conversation about what was happening in real life about the theater, the performances, um, with people who may not have otherwise seen that. That's how a lot of people are starting to watch sporting events and TV shows now Mm -hmm. anyway, out in the real world. Right. So you're tying into that for the football season. Absolutely. And that's what we're doing. So we actually brought a group of about a dozen students to the athletics complex, and they 
are going to be able to um, sit in VIP tweet seats. And so part of it will be in the cockpit. That's where all the students are sitting. Um, But they're also going to get some field access, pregame, halftime, postgame. So can you imagine the unique perspective that our students are going to offer so we're going to get regular students down on the field as social media ambassadors. Correct. So there, so you know, perhaps it's being near the helmet um, when the team runs out, getting that unique perspective that most students are watching from above in the cockpit. Well, someone can be up the, on the field level and see the team as they're running out, see what the smoke is that's coming out of that tunnel. Um, they're going to be able to capture that and share it. And then we're also looking at, okay, well, let's get the whole experience with this. Let's take a look at what's happening pregame because there's some new traditions starting this year with football. There's going to be a parade that's happening um, around, I think it's around 5 o'clock. That's for the first game a couple hours before kickoff. And, uh, you know, we want a social media ambassador there to not only capture it, but be in the mix. What is it like to be a football player in that? Being able to run alongside the football team as part of that pack, that camaraderie that's coming about. Well, this is something you just couldn't do back in the days when I was an undergraduate. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's you're getting real live reports from mm-hmm. people on the ground while something is happening. Right. And for us, as employees of the university, we think it's cool because it generates positive affect out mm-hmm. there in the Twitter sphere for the university. Right. And I mean, and that's it. But it's, it's this idea of we're providing unique experiences. For the Things, students twittering, too. For the students tweeting and, and that are there. But the perspective, too, of getting to see something that you otherwise normally wouldn't. So that's that's what we're really trying to go for. So these VIP tweet seats are going to work with our social media ambassadors. Um, and that's going to be throughout this year. We're talking football games, basketball games. So we're really trying to provide this behind-the-scenes look at what UD Athletics. So perhaps we'll get the team as they are just you know, coming out of the locker room. Well, instead of having to wait until the, the paper comes out the next day to perhaps see the best shot from the game and maybe a little bit of the you know, team's prep or their halftime pep talk, um, you know, we'll have our student ambassadors there that are going to capture that and share it. And the, you know, the whole idea is that you know, we really want students to come and experience this, to know what it's like to be a Blue Hen, to be part of Delaware Stadium, um, part of the Bob Carpenter Center, and that crowd, the feel. And, and that's, I think, really going to come across through these different perspectives that are going to be shared. You can hear Meredith Chapman is thoroughly and completely enthusiastic about social media and its use at the university. Thanks so much for coming in, Meredith. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for listening to Campus Voices, a collaboration between WVUD, the broadcast voice of the University of Delaware, and UD Information Technologies. The views expressed on this program are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official views or policies of WVUD, UD Information Technologies, or the University of Delaware. For more information about Campus Voices and to find archive copies of this and other episodes, visit our website. Using all lowercase letters, go to www.udel.edu slash campusvoices. We invite you to tune in every Thursday morning at 8.30 for Campus Voices on 91.3 FM, WVUD, and WVUD HD1, Newark, or online at wvud.org.